0: What do you learn in the process of a $95 million acquisition? Well, we're going to get into it today with Judd Armstrong, who was the founder of Jaybird, the first and most one of the most popular wireless headphones on the market. Really, really cool conversation. His mindset is so strong, and it's super applicable to all of you investors and entrepreneurs out there. You're not going to want to miss it. Let's get into it. This is the Investor Mindset podcast and I'm Stephen Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Welcome back to the Investor Mindset podcast. I'm your host Stephen Pesavento and I'm super excited. I've got Judd Armstrong in the studio today. How are you doing today, Judd? G'day, Steven. Hey, great to be here, mate. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad to have you. So you guys may know of Judd as he is the founder and creator of Jaybird, one of the first uh, or the first wireless headphone on the market back in 2006. He's an Australian entrepreneur who arrived in the US with nothing to his name but a wedding ring and a dream. Pretty cool story. He started from a $10 retail job uh, and lots and lots of debt and then took uh, just using his own drive, was able to go and build this incredible headphone brand, Jaybird, starting in 2006 that was later sold in 2016 for $95 million to Logitech. Uh, he's focused on a lot of great things now. He's got a, an amazing farm where he spends some time kind of decompressing and, and, and building things. He's working in the, the Bitcoin space, as well as, of course, he uh, he's got some other cool personal development type things. We're going to get into all of that today. Uh, You ready to get into things, Jay? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Judd. Well, perfect. So if we start out by taking a look back at earlier in your life, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today?
1: Well, you know, in in a a short segment like this, how do you condense uh, everything that we all experience in a lifetime down to 20 minutes so that you get the best of it all, I guess. Uh, we've all got such valuable experiences and, and things to, to share. I guess from my experience, what has made me who I am, uh, definitely parents. Les Brown, he, you know, he, he speaks about how so much of who we are comes down to what we absorbed from the age of zero to seven. And all of that, when you go to neuroscience, uh, you're talking um, Dr. Bruce Lipton, Dr. Joe Dispenza kind of stuff. They talk about how uh, we're in subconscious uh, programming during that time period, the same brain, brainwave state that we are when we go off to sleep. And when we, when we wake up in the morning, right? So it's pretty powerful stuff to understand that when we're age zero to seven, that's when we're most able to absorb who we are. And, and you look around at who was around us during that age group, your parents, your parents are a huge influence in, on you. And when I look to my father as, you know, the father role model, um, he was always um, very industrious, very hardworking, I uh, loved his his family and his, his kids and very strong family man and very kind. Um, when, when I ask people who have worked with my dad throughout his life, they talk about how kind he is and, and, and how interested he is in, in the people who worked for him. And uh, that has always stood out to me. I, and um, I've seen him, you know, being generous to donate places, things like that. So I hope that I've taken a little bit of that out of, out of his book. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> But uh, having grown up in Australia, I love love the outdoors and um, coming from that entrepreneurial family, my, my dad was always doing some kind of business and my mother as well. She's also very entrepreneurial. I look at my siblings. We're all doing something with business. So that that really does have a big impact in our lives is, is how we're growing up and, and and how we're taught to
0: live. It's, it's so true. And Les Brown is, uh, and is an amazing speaker. And I'm so grateful that he's back at it, building profile and getting back out there because he's been around for so long. But you're absolutely right. I mean, those early years are so pivotal. And uh, I got I got to say, I'm grateful for you that you had a, a phenomenal role model who could kind of instill some of those values. And so what what was it like growing up in an entrepreneurial family? And did you ever really think about going the traditional W-2 route, knowing that that was something that was available to you? Yeah, we. you know what's really crazy, Stephen,
1: is that when I went through high school, so I'm mid-40s now, so this is uh, 80s and early 90s that I was going through high school, it never occurred to me to become a business person. I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur was. <laughs> I was uh, actually gonna, I wanted to do landscaping. My, my dad said, landscaping is great because I love the outdoors, love being out in the sun, don't necessarily be like being at a desk. And uh, he said, you know, that's great, that's great, but you won't be necessarily financially free or independent, you'll, you'll kind of be having a modest income for the rest of your life being a landscaper. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, that's a good point. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of creative, so I thought, oh, I'll go be a, a graphic designer. And I'll do that. And he said the same thing, you know, graphic design is great, but you probably have the same kind of um, income level. It just depends on what your goals are, Judd. And I thought, all right, well, I would like to be financially independent and financially free and be able to live life my own terms. So I went to university to be an Indonesian translator. Now back then, Indonesia was like a big deal for Australia. We were talking about Indonesia being like a big business trade partner for Australia at the time. So I went to do translation for that. Uh, language and uh, in that process, I had I had to go to do an international business degree to to, to study that and uh, I fell in love with marketing. I fell in love with business and the rest is history. Although my first job, I was a washing machine salesman <laughs> in a retail shop selling washing
0: machines. <laughs> that sounds like a, that sounds like a tough gig to me. <laughs> well, it was actually pretty fun because these were, um,
1: um, these were speed queen washing machines from America and being in Australia, we, we had pretty cheap stuff over there. They lasted maybe eight years. So getting the big, strong, you know, stainless steel American gear over in, America, in Australia, charging two and a half times the price of the Australian stuff, we were like the Rolls Royce of washing machines. It was a very, very fun experience. To see people's expressions when they saw the price tag, but then to actually show them the value that it lasted like three or four times the, the, you know, as, as long. And it was actually on a per year basis. It was actually cheaper for them. So it was, that was another part of my learning is how to communicate, how to sell so that
0: people can actually see value in things. That was fun. I think that's one of the things that people forget about is the value that it takes in jumping into a sales role. When you go and sell door to door or in a retail shop and you have the opportunity to work directly with people, you have a lot of repetition on seeing what works and what doesn't. Does this phraseology, does this word work? Uh, How am I going to connect with this person? How am I going to end up getting to that place? I'm sure that's laid a good foundation for what was obviously to come next, which you went out and did something that nobody else was doing. You know, you went and built a, a, a wireless headphone company before that was really thought of as something that, that could be done. And so what I'm really curious about, Judd, is, is what made you think that you could do that uh, in a world where that wasn't yet really a possibility, especially for, a, for somebody who's not part of a big brand or, you know, just an entrepreneur on your own?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked it that way because it just made me think back for a moment about what was going through my mind at the time. I remember my dad telling me that I was absolutely insane <laughs> going up mm-hmm. against the big boys. But I remember my viewpoint was, well, hang on. I, I have a wireless, even in 2005, I had a wireless keyboard and a wireless mouse at my desk when I was trading stocks and options back in those days. And I remember thinking, well, if you can do wireless keyboard and mouse, surely you could do wireless headphones. I was out running, and this silly iPod cable was flapping back and forward, and I was getting pretty frustrated because I'd tug at it and things. And um, I was thinking, hang on, these Sennheiser companies and these Bose, and even Apple, perhaps uh, Plantronics, Sony, Jabra—all these great brands—none of them had done anything. Motorola, uh, even Skullcandy, was on the scene by that point. Uh, and no one had really done anything at all, nothing on wireless. And I remember having lunch with the CEO of skull candy. One day we had pizza at park city, uh, Rick Alden. And, uh, he, he explained to me, we had already started J for a year or two. So we were in the wireless headphone space by that point. And he said to me, you know, what, Judd? We're, we're never going to get into wireless headphones. It's not big enough. It's only like 2% of the market. And I was just quietly going, yes, don't get into the market. <laughs> uh, and later on, of course, you know, like at that point, this is 2008, 2009, if you walked into a store at, say, Best Buy, for example, you'd have one or two wireless products, the rest was wired, and uh, nowadays it's flipped the other way around, right? Everything is wireless, and that's the vision that, that we had back then for the, for the headphone industry. We, we wanted to help drive it to that and, and have a big piece to that and have, um, impact people's lives in that way.
0: That's huge. And, and you so have, you have impacted people's lives because I think by you guys getting onto the scene, I remember when I first saw Jaybirds on the scene, I, at the time I wasn't in the mindset of being able to choose to afford to go get a pair because they were expensive in comparison with where I was at. But I do remember exactly when I first saw those, but, but what made you believe that you could go and do that when none of these other big shops thought they could?
1: Yeah. Well, I remember looking at those big brands and and, and and thinking to myself, if they have all of those engineers, if they have all of those resources and they still can't do wireless headphones, then, then they may not, they, they must not be that smart. They must not be that smart. If, I mean, it, it's, it's a, uh, a no-brainer, right? To go wireless and they're not doing it. And you got the CEO of, of uh, Skullcandy, for example, saying that the market's not big enough. So really, the, every one of us have something to do in life. We're, we're here for a really great purpose. And I believe there's more than one great purpose for each of us. So it really comes down to what's placed in your heart. Denzel Washington, uh, he has a really great saying. He says that that thing that's placed in your heart, that itch that you have, God, it's God's promise sent to you beforehand that it's already yours. And that really sung to me when I heard that recently. And I thought, wow, that's a great, powerful quote. Because anytime that I've felt driven to do something, that's, that's the feeling that I have is that that is mine to play out. That is mine to see through if I want it bad enough. And if I'm willing to put in the work, and that's going to be my thing to have. So here we are just this little tiny little ragtag band of like no one we had actually sold our car to raise money to buy some headphones from our manufacturer. We had sold all the furniture in our house when we moved. And then when we bought our new, when we moved to our new house, we actually didn't have enough money to furnish it. So we were like camping, and neighbors gave us a sofa because they felt so bad for us. <laughs> we had mattresses on the floor in the bedrooms. So when you want something bad enough, man, you're going to be hungry enough to do the things you, and make those sacrifices that you got to make to, to get there. So I just figured, Hey, look, these guys are just, um, they're not really all that great at what they're doing, honestly. So, well, if I
0: can see a way
1: to get it done, then I'm going to have a stab at it. At least I'm going to have a try. Certainly something that I feel driven to do.
0: I love how you've spun that around the fact that you're saying if they have all of those resources and they're not doing it, then they must not be that smart. And therefore I'm a hundred percent capable of it because a lot of us, we get caught up on the reverse side of it. And so it's such a good, strong point about the power of the law of polarity. If you're thinking something and it's holding you back, flip it on its head and start believing the opposite. And that's going to be able to drive you forward. I, man, that that's, that's really, really, really powerful.
1: That's true. And we often make at the hurdle, there are certainly hurdles and it's, and it's a, a tactical way of proceeding. You've got to follow your heart and use your mind to, to navigate that, that heart-chosen path safely. Most people get it around the wrong way. They put their head as the, decision, as, the, as the direction decision, as the navigating decision tool and it never works out that way. You've got to follow your heart. That's, that's where your true direction's at and that's where you find the drive, the passion, the instincts all start to flow and you use your head to navigate that safely. But yeah, we tend to make the hurdle so big in our minds that it's, it's insurmountable, but you just got to
0: chip away at it one step at a time, one quarter at a time, one time out at a time. I I love that. I remember just a short little nugget here. When I first decided that I was going to build this house flipping business and, you know, now I invest in apartment buildings and I raise capital, but we've invested two, I flipped over 200 houses in three years. And when I made that decision, I remember I wasn't really sure, but I went after it anyways, because I had decided and there was no other way, but I do remember coming along uh, meeting this guy who was flipping a hundred houses a year and I met him and I thought to myself, well, man, if this guy can do it, I can definitely do it. Yeah. And so it's like you, f- you either find those mentors or you flip things around in your head so you can start believing that something's possible. And I think that's really inspiring. And so I'm curious, Judd, what do you think, in your opinion, what holds most people back in life? What holds most people back is that they don't believe it's possible for them. And that just
1: touches on that point you just said, you know, that they're listening to the people around them and they're all saying, you can't do that. You know, that doesn't work. That never happens in life. And you you can't blame those people because they can't see it for themselves. If they can't see it for themselves, they certainly can't see it for you. And they're just trying to look out for you and keep you safe because that's what they value. They value safety. I was just barely before this podcast, talking to Chris Harder. Uh, Chris is—he uh, runs a podcast uh, for the love of money, and uh, I asked him this very same question, and he said that he said that people are, are listening to everyone around them, and I said, "Well, what drives someone who's successful beyond that that barrier where they what what makes them step beyond the norm that's around them?" And he said something quite profound. He said that they actually there's something driving them that's so strong inside them that it actually just, it surpasses the risk of everything that everyone is telling them around them. So in other words, it's either they're really driven to be successful or they're really driven by a higher purpose. And that motivation within them drives them through uh, whatever's holding most people back. And that was really insightful.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And it's 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 not fair to be upset at those family or friends around you because those people love you and they care about you. And when they're telling you you can't do it, it's because of their values and beliefs that they care carry inside. They're just looking out for you. But unless you want to go down their exact same path, you can't listen to them. You got to go find some other people who are crazy enough to believe the same things you want to believe and go and follow in their footsteps. And, you know, you're definitely one of those people, Judd. Oh, cheers, man. Yeah.
1: But it's, you know, you got to believe it's possible for you, but also you've got to understand that there's something special in you. There is greatness in each of us. and And the fact that we've only gone so far in life does not define us. You know, we're not defined by the memory of our past. We're defined by a vision of our future. And there is so much that we've yet to discover about ourselves. So we have to be willing to excavate. We need to be willing to explore ourselves and really stretch ourselves into new experiences I, I could not have been great at headphones unless I tried something completely foreign to, to myself that I had no right. I had no right to be in the headphone space. Nothing. I had no experience at all. Yet We went and um, if anyone's not, not aware on it, on but Jaybird led that wireless headphone revolution. We were the third top premium headphone brand in the United States, the top wireless headphone brand for a number of years until we sold to Logitech. Uh, and that was, that was a really great run. It took like a decade to play out. So there's tremendous amount of work and tribulation and sacrifice and hard times to go through for sure. Just because it's one of your life callings doesn't mean it's going to be easy.
0: Yeah, no, that's so true. That's so true. And I, I like that you went and did something that you're not accustomed to, that you're not comfortable in. I'm staying at a 10 acre estate here in Hawaii. Um, for all the listeners who've been following kind of the journey, We've got, you know, this amazing place. It was built by the beach boys. There's fruit trees. There's all this beauty, but the owner of it, it's really cool. He was a real estate investor himself. He was building all these buildings, but he needed to do something different. And so he came here to, to tend to the farm, to run this, you know, this facility and to turn this into a business of its own and enjoy the process. It sounds like you've kind of gone and done something similar yourself on the farming business.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, when you look at the, times that we're in the financial system, the, the, amount of debt, uh, I think if you're an entrepreneur, then you're a person who tends to plan ahead. You tend to look ahead and plan for the future. You want to put yourself in a position of some strength down the road. You're willing to sacrifice the now, you know, Les Brown says if, if you're wanting to have things tomorrow that others won't have, you need to do the things today that others won't do. And, everyone listening to this podcast are do, doing that right now. You're sacrificing pleasures today for, for things down the road. And and I think this audience knows very clearly where the, where the world's headed as far as its cycles and ebbs and flows. We've had some tr- tremendously prosperous years. Uh, we, we certainly have some rough times ahead. So I wanted to have some self-sufficiency. So when, I, we, when we sold Jaybird to Logitech, I was straight for this farm, man. I, I was excited about it. We've got like, a creek that runs through it, that just this, this nonstop mountain spring water, and we got uh, solar power. We, we got, you know, we got we can produce food. It's wonderful, you know. It's, it's we got cattle, and I just love it. It's it's a, it's a really strong sense of peace and stability in our lives to have that kind of uh, self sufficiency and self reliance.
0: I think that's so cool. And obviously you've reached the place of financial independence. So what I'm curious is what is your definition of it and and how do you, how do other people know that they've reached financial independence for themselves?
1: Financial freedom is the ability to have no debt, no reliance on any banks, no reliance on on anything or anyone and you can, you can self-govern, right? So the, the United States is a perfect example of that. It's the pursuit of happiness. And if happiness is peace, stability, uh, not being in bondage to anything or anyone. Well, what that means is you don't have any debt. You own your land or, or your your home outright. You have a year of money in the bank. You you have all the resources you need. You're not dependent on any grocery store or gas station or bank or employer. And you you know you can just
0: self-sustain. Like we have chickens. We have we have fresh eggs every day. We love it. It's absolutely great. That's awesome. And how do other people know that they've gotten there for themselves? Because that's an amazing definition that you have for for yourself. But, you know, how do you recommend other people kind of go about creating what's important to them for reaching that independence?
1: Well, you look at anyone who has some significant uh, financial freedom in their life, they typically have more than one revenue stream, one source of revenue. But beyond getting out of debt, and beyond having uh, a runway of money in the bank or in other kind of assets, like gold silver cryptocurrency or whatever it might be, you know, you, you need to have multiple sources of revenue so that you're not uh, a slave or, or not dependent upon one one source. You, you know, you your providing is is more than one layer deep. If you have a spouse or a partner, if you have children, anyone who depends on you, it's, I think it's up to us uh, in this crazy world of uh, turbulence to have, to be providing in more than one layer uh, to, to have that kind of conting- contingency plan.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. That's absolutely beautiful. So, you know, after building a company from zero and then selling it for $95 million to Logitech, I'm, what I'm curious is what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned in that process of going through a sale of exiting something that was your your baby, you know, looking back, um, what would you want to share with uh, with the audience?
1: Well, if, if you're looking to sell your business, uh, The first thing to to know is sell it when it's the most attractive. There were so many people that were telling me, because we were going gangbusters, we were growing. We had been profitable every single year we were in business, every single year. We we were growing by 50 to 100% every single year, and that was now hitting the hockey stick trajectory. We had a, a product roadmap that was unbelievable. We had so many great things in the pipeline, so many great innovations. We had incredible brand traction. People were absolutely loving Jaybird. And we got got to be to the the successful place we were, not because we had money to spend on marketing, but because our customers loved what we had. We had an incredible product that was best in class and everyone wanted to be like Jaybird, all the other competitors. So if you can get to that place, that's number one, like be the pedestal product that everyone envies. And don't worry about price. Price takes care of itself. You just got to be the best, and if you can be the best, then you can demand the price that it needs, you know, to, to justify you doing putting all that that effort into being the best. But if you're going to sell your sell your business, sell it at the time that it's the most valuable, um, when everyone says you shouldn't be selling, because it makes it the most attractive thing for people to buy, right? Um, now, also, I, I've I've had two earnouts with two different business sales, and and both times they didn't work out because I lost control. I was no longer able to lead the business. And so that the projections that we had were not realized because corporate people came in who thought they're the experts just came in and screwed it all up. Entrepreneurs are students of their craft. We, we know that we're always learning. We we're so passionate. We're always in the position of the learner. So that's why we always expand and become better. If you think of yourself as an expert, then you're stopping yourself from learning more things and, and you're positioning yourself as the ceiling. So never position yourself as an expert. Um, so earnouts are really tricky. If you're gonna do an earnout, you've got to make sure that you retain control of the operation. And I've learned
0: that twice now. Never do that again. That, that's, that's phenomenal advice. And thanks for sharing that with us. Well, we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but your answers don't need to be. So starting off right here, a success. How would you define success and what is success to you?
1: Success is the progressive realization of a worthy endeavor. That's a, that doesn't come from me. That's, that's a quote from someone else, but that's pretty powerful.
0: That's awesome. And, and how do you know that, uh, how do you know that you've, uh, you've been successful?
1: When you feel your heart full, um, when, when that worthy endeavor, that whatever that might be, it might be teaching children in a special school. And doing that really well, and seeing the joy on people's faces—the students and the the parents' faces—and the joy in your heart, and having that magnification of your soul—that tells you you've been successful. So, same with Jaybird; it wasn't. Well, it certainly translates in numbers, yeah, absolutely. But there was a certain soul and spirit and vibe around our organization—the people, the partners, the customers, the the uh, the retailers that told us that this was something very, very special that we were involved in. And and to this day, everyone who's involved and all of our family members look back on it with with great joy and satisfaction to see that play Mm, mm,
0: out. Love that. Uh, Habits. What what are some of uh, your keystone habits, the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that have led you to some of your success?
1: (laughs) Well when you think when you word it, word it that way it sounds like schedule and routine kind of things I, I got to admit I'm a little bit I'm a bit loose in that regard I don't have a strong schedule um, my mum's a real strong creative and and uh, so I think I get that from her so I, I I'll sleep in sometimes I'll, I'll start late but I'll work hard when I'm when I'm at at work I go hard um, but routines and and things that I try to do, Uh, certainly always looking at positive angles to things because the same, like two different people will look at the same thing and come up with two different, entirely different conclusions. Um, I actually did an interview about my, uh, Bitcoin trading app that we might talk about today, um, on a YouTube channel called BitBoy Crypto. And, uh, it was interesting. We had 200 people sign up. Um, for our Bitcoin trading service from that interview. And then you had another 50 people back on the channel just writing all these horrible comments about scam. I wouldn't buy anything from this guy. And it's amazing. It's this divided the sheep from the goats. So I would say that always look at the positives at life and what, what opportunities might be there.
0: Yeah, I think it's such a good reminder. There's always going to be haters out there. And that's something that, you know, when you put yourself out there into the world, onto podcasts, podcast, into interviews and things like that, there's going to be people who step up to start slandering and talking smack. But at the end of the day, where are they? You know, they're not saying that right to you. They're in the comments and, you know, heck, it's great. I'm glad that there's some haters for you. That means that you're making some traction and there's people who are loving what you're doing. Uh, You know, at least that's the view that I've taken when I get people, you know, talking smack here or there. Doesn't bother me anymore. Just as one of those moments where you're like, man, I just, I wonder what you must be going through to, to be online. Just, you know, spitting that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us, you know, you've gone from this place of building Jaybird and, uh, you know, selling this company and now you're working on multiple things including a really phenomenal uh, habit or uh, affirmations app that I'm very curious to talk to you about. But w- what are you doing uh, on the investing side and and how have you been able to uh, make a difference for folks with with what, what you've been focused on?
1: Well, I, I look back at the companies that I've run uh, which are a few of them. And I've, I, I look back with great fondness to times where I was trying to help the employees reach financial freedom for themselves. I wasn't interested in, in keeping them in my organization for selfish reasons. If Because if I remember being myself an employee wanting to become financially free and try to work that one out in my early 20s uh, even. And uh, I wanted to help everyone if they wanted it to be, to be able to get out and do their own thing.
0: I wanted to help them on their way. So tell us, Judd, what's a book that's impacted your life the most, or one you're excited about right now?
1: Um, I I really struggle with 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 books. Um, to be honest, uh, the biggest impact that I've had with with books is actually the Bible and also the Book of Mormon myself as well. That, that the life lessons that come out of scripture is, from from what I see, the the, the foundation of anything that you see out there on, on Tom Beers impact theory to, to, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. It's all founded on the principles found in, in sacred writ from centuries old.
0: Yeah. Well, I think one of the big reasons for that too, is because a lot of these theory or a lot of these, uh, kind of life principles are, are tried and true for generations, for decades, for thousands of years. Uh, They've just been said in a different way. You know, one of my favorite texts, of course, that's is right. "Think and Grow Rich." That book was written nearly 100 years ago, and I see it in almost every other personal development book I read, and you know, in uh, in religious scripture as well. So that's that's definitely a, a good point. Abs-
1: absolutely, and and we've got the science now to back up what we've always known, and and people get excited by oh look, there's the science to back it up now. Now I believe it. Well, it was the principle was there for you all along.
0: <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, what impacts have mentors made on your life and how do you look at going out and finding great mentors?
1: I like to find my own space and find my own solitude to get my deepest, greatest answers. Uh, Something that I observed at Jaybird was that we'd get someone new coming into the executive team and they were so focused on the news and what someone else was doing that they left all the gems in their soul sitting idle because they're so focused on what everyone else is doing and trying to keeping up, keep up with them. Whereas some of the core cool people from our team at Jaybird, we recognized that you just got to get away from all the noise, get away from social media, get away from the, the blog posts and the news feeds and try to work out what is valuable to you in your life. And there's a good chance there's a good number of people out there who would value those same things. And the more introspection you can do that the, the the closer you'll get to inspiration there's there's certain things that we can all do in life, but we have to tap into that level of inspiration that makes us and separate separates us and and makes us something very unique and special. Uh, And that's, that's where all the magic happens. So as far as mentors go, I really haven't had too many that I've sought out um, some very helpful people, tremendous people that I've partnered with as far as teams in companies and, and personal life and things, but really, you got to dig, dig inside yourself to get the biggest answers, I
0: think. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the answers are within you and sometimes mentors or coaches can help pull them out, but you've got to find that way to get access to them so you can just listen to, to, to your heart, as you say. So finishing on this, Judd, purpose, what drives you to live your best life every day? Well, yeah, it's all about contribution and,
1: and stretching and growing and, and overcoming oneself, right? Uh, so for me, Tapping into those life callings that we've spoken about, finding out what's most important. The first thing every day got to do is, okay, what is my life calling right now? What's the most important and most impactful thing that I can do this morning for that before I get bombarded with everything? Uh, that's, That's pretty powerful stuff.
0: I love it. Tell me a little bit about this jump app and uh, you know what's the intention behind it and what are people going to get out of it? I, I was looking into it and I, I'm a big believer that 95% of what we do is driven by our subconscious mind. So anything that's going to help us drive more of those thoughts into the right place, I'm, I'm all for. So tell me a little bit about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of the neuroscience that's come out recently. Uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he talks about it as well. Uh, it's the power of the, the neurological part of us that actually projects what we envision for ourselves. And when we are excited about something and when we're very clear about something and you marry those two things together and you focus on those things for a duration of time, those things will come to pass. Let me, let me tell you about something that I, I did in 2013 or so. I wrote myself a check for a ridiculous amount of money. It was silly. It was stupid. It was like $96 million and I wrote it out a check out to myself just like um, Jim Carrey did. Jim Carrey did a $10 million check once and he made $10 million in Dumb and Dumber. So I'm like, I'm going to try that out. That sounds fun. So I wrote out $86 million. I thought it was a silly number. I put it in a book and I thought about it every now and then. Probably not as much as I ought to have. Probably would have gotten there sooner if I had. But the fact that I had gone through that visualization exercise and it was, you know, I thought about it once every couple of weeks or every month. Oh yeah, that, that check that I've written. We sold Jaybird for 95 million. So when you take out some of the equity for some of the, the executive team, that's pretty much plum on what the deal was. Um, and also uh, after Joe Dispenser's of advanced workshop, he got us to do some mind movies. And that is where you make a two minute movie in iMovie with affirmations in in present tense about what you want your life to be with some images and a soundtrack, right? So I put all that together and we had to do some standing meditation with this thing. I thought, this is pretty powerful. I'm going to, I'm going to try it out every single day. So I stuck at it for three months and some amazing things came out of that, including the unlisted.io project with Bitcoin. I I had some affirmations in there saying I 100 X my money. I, Uh, are consistent at it. I have thousands of people who want to come and learn uh, on, on on how this works. And so all that started to play out a few months later, we developed this incredible method. I didn't know that the how it would manifest itself, but it certainly manifested itself. It's been a powerful tool in my life. So the jump app is a way for us all to have a two minute mind movie that we can assemble really quickly and easily. We've partnered with Napster with, uh, for the music and the, the soundtracks, you got beautiful images And you can put in your affirmations. And as you wake up in the morning, you watch this because that's when you go through the, the subconscious brainwave state. And as you drift off to sleep, just before you go to sleep, you prime your mind with this movie as well. And you do that twice a day for about three months, you will see miracles in your life, I swear.
0: I've seen miracles doing this myself uh, through my own methods and through reading and, and saying these things to myself. So I'm excited to see a tool that'll make it easier to do. So definitely, uh, where can people find out more about you, Judd, or get in touch? So the
1: best place to go see what I'm doing is at juddarmstrong.com,
0: J-U-D-D-Armstrong.com. Everything that I'm doing is summarized right there amazing amazing well well thank you so much for being here with me judd and thank you all the listeners for taking the time out of your day remember you guys you can live a life worth inspiring others and you can do so today by applying some of what you've learned here to go build financial freedom in your own life so you can inspire other people to go and do the same so thanks again judd for joining us and we'll see you guys next time thanks david If you're an accredited investor and you're interested in learning more about our investment opportunities, the exact types of investments that I personally invest in, then head over to the slash invest, or send me an email at steven at vonfinch.com. That's V-O-N-F-I-N-C-H.com. Thanks so much.